how's that? how's life post lals um well it's um quite sad really i miss her oh she is your baby right she is my little baby one uh, but there's no favoritism and as you know no <clears throat> emily's a regular yeah. listener so of course she's a yeah. favorite yeah 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 yeah. They're all my favourites. Yeah, well, you has a, has a um, any of them that don't have a nickname actually that probably suggests they're not your favourite, but they all have nicknames. Yeah, there's M's, there's Lal's, there's Has, and there's Lives. Mm. Otherwise known as um, Puni. I beg she's your pardon. A, for some reason, she's called Puni. We went there in India, didn't we? As part of our, I, I, base I think camp we might have done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley, and it's wonderful to see you again, Anthony. Which house are you in today? Uh, once again, the rental. Um, all the, 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 I actually would have worked from the new home today had I've not had podcast report recording, but all the DJ mixing equipment is located in the office and there's nowhere for it to be stored when we're not recording and the mixer is on its last legs, and every time you just nudge it a little bit, it then cuts, as it did a couple of weeks ago on recordings. So leaving it still, I suspect, is the safest place for it. So short answer to a long question, I'm at the rented property today. Ah, and I'm talking to you live from Ramsgate, where the sun is still shining. It's been shining since we last spoke, in fact. And it's been hit and miss here. It's um, it, it was a sunny morning, but it's a bit overcast now, and I'm... I'm knackered because I had too much coffee yesterday and therefore didn't go to sleep last night because I was full of caffeine. Mm. True story. I've been taking my blood pressure recently. Oh. Uh, I've got a I've got a home blood pressure checker kit. Mm. And um you'll be pleased to know that I do actually have a pulse. Well. And um it's all working rather well. Oh, but for an old git like me. I, I w- would also like to compliment for the listener's benefit that you've had a little bit of a tidy up, haven't you? <laughs> I have had a little trim, and it's true. Mm. And I'm inspired by your beard every time I see it because it's, not, it's, it's beautifully trimmed. Uh, not today. It's not. I've just gone in close to the camera, but there you go. It's. It. I, I would say you have a null tidy beard today, Mr. Bradley. Mm. Yeah, Christabel doesn't like it. She keeps saying I need to go down and get it done properly at a barber. But I've got a new machine which I'm playing with. It's it's like a little pair of electric shears for the garden. Right. And it probably looks a bit like that, the result of what I've done to my face. Mm. But I'm quite happy with it. Yeah, I, I, for the listener's benefit, it's Noel Ledman's come uh, Chewbacca from Star Wars. So, Thank you. Yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> Great. And um, before we get started, would you yes. like to play a game? I'd love that. I, I've done a game. Just Oh, by the way, before we go any further, I must say hello to Paul Truin, who is a hey, new... Hey, Paul. He's a new listener, JB. Yeah. Um, he asked me months ago on a on a message exchange, I think it was on LinkedIn or something, oh, you know, um, I didn't realise you got a podcast. Could I have a link to it? And then I think he forgot to read the reply. And then randomly, out of the blue, I think it was two days ago now, um, I was on a conference call as we seem to do these days in a virtual world. And um, a little message popped up going, I'm just listening to your podcast and um, it's really good. I've been doing some work. It's really insightful, informative, uh, uh, but informal and fun. Uh, So uh, I promised I would give Paul a shout out. So here we are, Paul. Another Paul in our listenership. 
Well, um, I, welcome, Paul. And uh, you bring our total of listeners up to three now, which is fantastic. Yeah. So that's and you and me. Yeah. Um, and Christabel and, and, and the other and, Paul. Actually, yeah, there are a few others, yeah, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. Um, and I, it's a bit disconcerting. I've got myself in stereo. I've got a picture of myself on the left and a picture of myself on the right. And I don't understand why. Oh. But you're right in the middle. Stuck in the middle with you. Mm, I am a JB... Uh, Middleman. Filling. Mm. Yeah. Right. You're, the, you're the bit in the between my sandwich. So if I do the game with you today as the quiz master... Well, oh the, the, is this going the, to be difficult? No, 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 no. But then on the next episode, you get to do the same to me. Okay. So in front of me, I have, as you can see for the camera, there are three oh, yeah. pieces of paper with famous names on them. It looks like loo paper, listeners, it just is, so you know. It's a, in yeah. a, a DVLA envelope, actually, because I've had okay. to send off my driving right. licenses for the changes. Yeah. So I just tore up the envelope. Um and I'm going to ask you the question, what can we learn from this person about leadership? OK, that's the question. And one of the I'm going to ask you to say stop. And I'm then going to pick up one of the pieces of paper. And then you've got to give <laughs> what you think we can learn about leadership from the person that I pick up. Now, I need to tell you the three names in advance. So at least it gives you some time to reflect on what we can learn from these people. So what can we learn um, from them in leadership? OK, is the question. And the three names in our, um, uh, um, what will we call it, uh, raffle of names are John Major, um, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Conservative, 1992 to 1997. Yeah. Woody from Toy Story, because he was obviously a leader of a pack of toys, if that's the right name for a collective of. And then probably my favourite... Mr. Blobby, in homage to your beard from Noel Edmonds' House Party, which was a TV Saturday night programme in the 90s, which I know JB probably wasn't a vast fan of. But Mr. Blobby, nonetheless, brought... Had a following. He did, and he clearly inspired his viewers because he actually ended up having the Christmas number one, 1997. Oh, 1996, sorry. 1997 was Teletubbies, which is a whole it, different It thing. sort of worries me that you know that level of information, to be honest. But I, anyway. I, I researched this more than reading your bloody articles. That's the problem. So, um, right. Okay. I'll, 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 so, uh, I'm going to... So, tell me when to stop and then I'll stop with my finger on the right one. Do you think this is working on this podcast end? Well, we'll find out. Well, uh, we'll just crack on with it anyway. Globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com. Um, Do tell us if this feature's shit and we'll remove okay. it next week. And stop. <laughs> and it is... Mi oh, crikey. Oh, listeners, I've only got Mr. Blobby. Um, okay, so... You can do this uh, to me next on the next episode. You have three names okay. I pick. Right, I'm I'm just going to um, try and work out what M Mr. Blobby um, brought to the party in terms of leadership, and um, I, I think probably uh, resilience uh, because he turned up on a on a regular basis and he had to work with Noel Edmonds. Now. Nice. Okay. I know I've got a beard like Noel Edmonds, and I'm sorry for those of you around the world who don't know what Noel Edmonds looks like, but I am told that he is, uh, in his early days, he was actually pretty handsome. I'd say for um, a 60-odd-year-old bloke now, he's done pretty well to maintain... His good looks. Yes. 
So in a, in a in a way, I you know it is compliment. It's not about me anyway. I'm just going to say you know that it is a compliment to me yeah. that um, people say that. And nor is and, Mr. Blobby referred to as JB either. So just for the record. yeah. So um, Mr. Mr. Blobby, uh, it connects. He is he's connecting with people. Mm -hmm. He's a he's a very very good connector. Yeah. He's resilient because he's managed to cope uh, with Noel Edmonds uh, all of those years, which is quite something. Mm -hmm. Um, so, because Noel Edmonds, ladies and gentlemen, is a bit of a narcissist, to be fair, it's all about him. And, you know, Mr. Blobby was able to, uh, manage himself all the way through that. Uh, he was playful and, uh, you know, I think he was playful with, uh, you know, probably appropriately, you know, he, he, he didn't overplay his role, uh, too much. He had a job to do. He did it, and uh, he was able to build relationships. And he was authentic. He was. He was actually Mr. Blobby. Uh, didn't deviate from what you know, what Mr. Blobby was. He was. He said how about it. that? At, at far more than I ever anticipated this feature to give us, blurring the already huge credibility that you've earned um, in your answer. And I'm sure many listeners have Googled Mr. Blobby whilst listening to this podcast that aren't in the UK to find out who Mr. Blobby is. And do YouTube Mr. Blobby music video. So, um, and obviously, if the listeners decide that this is a really shit feature mm -hmm. and uh, give us that feedback, we won't be running it again. But uh, if there is popular demand for this uh, little uh, treat, then do let us know and we'll run it again. Yes. Uh, if we don't hear from you at all... Uh, then I think we'll probably assume that we'll just do it once more, like you think, uh, and 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 see where <laughs> and see where it goes. I feel so. In the next episode, then, presuming we hear nothing or encouragement, you will do one for me, and it's the same question, but you can come up with three names. Now, one caveat, please, Mister Bradley. Um, yes. I, I you must remember that unfortunately I was born a few years after you. And therefore, please don't give me names that I may have no idea who those people are. Okay, so yeah, William Pitt the Younger wouldn't who? wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily have any idea who that no. was. Now, was he no. your local okay. mayor? Was he fair enough? Okay, uh, yeah, no, he was a really good mate of mine. Um, anyway, that, that's that. So now we better crack on because yes. I think we've got time issues on today. Yes, haven't we? we always seem to these days with so much going. Um, do you want to do so one of your articles first? Maybe, Shall I crack on? Would you mind doing the ones you sent me a couple of days ago? Because I read those in advance of this episode, whereas the ones you sent me 20 minutes ago, I have been unable to read as yet. Okay, right. Well, that is, that's jolly fine. Um, by the way, I got yours and um, there's some really good stuff in yours. Which Likewise, I'm quite looking, yours. Right, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to getting stuck into those. Hmm. Have you heard uh, of the uh, business round table from the States? Not until you sent me the link, no. No. Anyway, it's a US network of blue chip CEOs. And the thing that I find really encouraging about this, um, they they produced a, a, a little uh, ex excerpt from um, their business round table uh, on the 19th of August. And I made a note, actually, of, of kind of what, what came out from that. And it was... Um, the long-standing stance that corporations should prioritise the interests of shareholders and instead asserted that they should promote, this is the bit that I really, yeah. really like, Likewise, a, an, an economy that serves all Americans. 
And I know this is an American thing, and you know I think it's quite useful for us to just trip over the Atlantic and just have a have a little snoot around and see what's happening. Anyway, Judy Samuelson, uh, executive director at U.S. leadership think tank, the Aspen Institute. Um, has penned a special opinion piece on this. And her verdict uh, on making organisations uh, more favourable to a balanced stakeholder um, perspective is that the pace of change has been nowhere quick enough. Um, what I should have done, actually, at the beginning of this is, is really frame it as to where it was that I found this article. It was the Institute of Leadership and Management, and it was um, its title was How Can Leaders Step Up Progress Towards Stakeholder Capitalism? I think I, I've been banging on about this for as long as um, you've been in nappies, Ant, and I... I yeah. And I, I really like the idea of COVID um, giving us a damn good excuse, actually, and it shouldn't really take that, uh, to rebalance the way organisations are structured uh, to, towards caring about society, caring about, uh, in other words, the community, caring about um, their relationship with their employees, uh, caring about all stakeholders, not just not just the shareholder, um, because I think one of the one of the problems that we've had uh, is quite a lot of short termism um, that has created uh, sure shareholder value and dividend flow. Mm. Um, but I think that we have um, yeah I'm not I'm not going to pull any punches today. I think we've corrupted uh, the way organisations um, actually work these days. Um, and I think we need to have a much higher level of conscious uh, awareness of the dangers of just focusing on the shareholder, not a balance of people who contribute to the well-being and welfare of the organisation and all the people involved with it. What do you think, Ant? So I read this and there were, there were two things that jumped out of me on this article. One was um, the reference that you've made in previous episodes about doing things what are right for the business and doing things what are right for its people. And I think that is largely what I concluded is perhaps this article's suggestion that, generally speaking, decisions seem to be uh, very much towards what's right for the business, a.k.a. the shareholder over its people. Um, and funny enough, I think it feeds in quite nicely to an article which we might talk about on this week's episode or next week's, I'm not too sure, depending on how we have much time we have, um, uh, about another article which we'll talk about um, um, around leadership decisions and ethics and values, etc. in the workplace. But for me, that, that was point one. Point two is I, I think... It's interesting. I I think my view of the world is very centrist. So I wouldn't classify myself to be right or left wing or conservative or liberal, you know, whatever the, the definitions are in your country of origin. But I, I do fear that because the left have had such a militant hold of unions um, and unions, I don't think, tend to represent a majority of the world these days, there has been this massive void of space in the middle between union-controlled businesses and completely capital-controlled businesses, which this article alludes to. And for me, 
the bit in the middle is where actually I think this article seems to be implying that there should be more attention paid. Actually, there is a balance behind between doing what's right for the people and doing what's right for the shareholders and keeping them both happy. And I do think there's there's a lack of humanization of some businesses at the moment, especially. I um, I think that's absolutely right, Ant. And the the, the end piece uh, on this article I, I really liked. And, and it was, let's retain the lessons we've learned uh, from COVID-19 um, and remember how important every stakeholder is. And uh, in terms of pure logistics, the people who would have been least affected by this seismic shift uh, of COVID-19 are the shareholders who have no operational role. And I think what we what we potentially have is a disconnect between those who are investing in the organization and now those who are in the organization oper operating it, uh, dealing with suppliers and making sure that we get what we need during these crazy, crazy times so that we can delight our customer so that we can keep our people employed, those people in the operational role doing that every day, we must keep them close and we must, must make them feel like they are invested in the organisation, that they are part of the organisation mm. and that they they have this big stake in it. Um, I, so I think this balance uh, of you know stakeholder capitalism I think that's quite exciting. If that's been accelerated out of COVID-19, that's got to be good news. Mm, definitely, definitely. Interesting article. What's the article called again and where can people find it if they want to find out more? Okay, everybody, this is the Institute of Leadership and Management. Uh, it is entitled, How Can Leaders Step Up Progress Towards Stakeholder Capitalism? And uh, it is a fabulous, uh, very easy to read uh, little piece. Nice. From me then, article number one for today's discussion, an article on the website called businesstocommunity.com. Um, not sure where they're based in the world, but an article by Paul Kaiser, I think I pronounce it. So um, sorry, Paul, if you happen to be listening and I haven't pronounced it correctly. The headline of the article, The Dark Side of Leadership, colon, Four Reasons Leaders Fail. I liked this article and essentially it it cites a study that was done by the Center for Creative Leadership that 40% of new CEOs fail dismally within their first 18 months in the job. And in, ironically, it does actually say they may have been successful in CEO jobs in previous businesses, which is why they got this gig, yet still, statistically speaking, 40% of them fail. This article effectively looks at these four reasons. And the four reasons are confusing ego with self-confidence is one. Um, follow an excessively brittle approach to three stop directing people, which I suggest isn't a reason it fails. I think they, they perhaps are, are doing it too much. Um, and then ignore the need to build relationships is four. Um, I like this article um, because I think if I reflected upon CEOs that I know knew that didn't make it in previous organizations outside of some disciplinary situation, which I've only seen one example of in my working life. These CEOs probably did fall quite confidently. Well, as a consequence of some of these behaviors was probably what was missing. Um, the confusing ego with self-confidence, I think, is is a really interesting one. 
I think CEOs are paid to be confident on the face of it and have a vision, but I think they need self-awareness and to be internally anxious that they're doing the right things in reference to the last article, what's right for its people and what's right for the business. Um, the brittle approach, I think, feeds nicely into a narrative you've spoken about previously, JB, around fixed and dynamic mindsets. And I think especially this was uh, this was written mid-COVID, I believe, this article, if not more quite recently. And um, I suspect lack of agility and transformation of businesses or where a CEO believes let's hold steady probably has caused many failures and certainly CEOs that are currently being replaced secretly by their boards <laughs> are probably um, victim of being too brittle. Um, and then the ignoring the need to build relationships piece. Again, yeah, the the, the CEOs that I would love to work for again were the sorts that walked around the building and would recognise most people's faces, if not their names, and the dog's or the child's name, and make conversation that people really thought this person knows, focuses, and values me. That would be my three of the four highlights. Uh, JB, what about yours? Well, I think the uh, the fourth point about uh, the need to build uh, relationships. I I think that you know this is an opportunity for leaders to really really think about the efforts that they must make to establish uh, really good connections and relationships uh, with their with their people and give them a damn good listening to. And I think this article is pretty much uh, all about that, which is you know you're not employed. Uh, to be the only person who makes decisions around here. You know, you're not employed just to communicate your single uh, one and only vision and to decide uh, what our goal is on your own this week. Uh, what a lonely place that would be, uh, I'd imagine. Mm. Um, so, so you know, of course, uh, you are communicating an overarching vision of where the organization is going and you have a role to inspire your people to get there and you've got the job of delivering that campaign uh, but at the same time and equally importantly uh, you're giving your people uh, the job of, of delivering that and working with them and giving them a damn good listening to so I think that article uh, is all about that and those points are well made in it yeah the, the the point three by the way because i read this a couple of days ago i just wanted to refresh myself on that one actually what it's talking about is losing sight of the vision so the stop directing people is they almost give up because they assume it's all in hand um and, and i shared a quote on on social media which went pretty popular a few days ago which was build such a strong team around you that no one recognizes who's the boss is someone commented going well surely that would create chaos and i said i think that means the external perception looking in but i think what this stop directing people reference point makes is actually a pretty good one it it talks about the once you show people where we need to go make sure that you help them reach the finish line don't be looking to the next big thing or certainly be thinking about it but keep keep your eye on the ball don't don't assume it's over the line and don't presume anything is fine. I think it almost feeds nicely into the, the number two, the, the, the brittle approach again. So absolutely, that's my article number one, Mr. Bradley. Do you, do you want to go for your next one or, or are you going to say something else? Well, I just picking up on what, what's just been said, you know, leaders, leaders need to be great collaborators and communicators uh, now, don't they? I mean, they and, and they need to do that 
in every way possible. Mm. You know, we often talk about those, um, you know, collisions, those sort of um, casual collisions that we used to have in the corridor. We say, hey, how are the kids? You know, or how are you getting on uh, with your with your ambition to achieve whatever it was with that project? A and we don't we don't have those quite as much when people are working virtually, but we need to still do it. We need we need to be able to really really use technology, harness technology to make that happen, uh, and not let technology become. Uh, our system mm. actually using technology to support uh, what we need to do which actually uh, by way of a very very clever segue like into what i was about to say uh, from personnel today uh, there's a there's an article written by a guy called david williams uh, from a company called impact and he's saying uh, that it's time to rip up the learning and development rule book which I think you do practically every day, don't you, Ant? Yeah. Well, yeah. We we like to innovate. <laughs> well, you know, so I think you you innovate these days or you evaporate. Yeah. And I know which one you'd prefer to do. So invigorate, um, actually. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's I like that too. Um, so leaders have a unique opportunity to question how things have been done in the past and create new organizational norms. What does this mean for learning and development, asks David Williams. Well, I am going to cut straight to his... Why have people really gone into the idea of writing up four points these days? Out of order. What was wrong with three? I prefer triangles. Anyway, let's let's keep working with these new innovations yes. and be open to them. If let's, we're going to four these post-corona days, well, let's do it. Well, let's see if we can reduce and consolidate down to three for 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 our own mental agility <laughs> okay so uh cutting to the chase number one learning is the work learning is the work so um the point about that is that we need to create cultures where people learn um and we need to be able to use new knowledge uh incredibly quickly and directly And uh, learning is now much more socially constructed, tested and applied through a mesh of relationships, collaborations and connections. Right. So this point is learning is our work, not just learning and development, not just HR. The organization uh, is a is a is a fluid system uh, of learning um, through the mesh of relationships, collaborations and connections. I think that's a, a, an absolutely uh, fabulous point. We need to deploy digital technologies to support support the process of integrating and connecting learning with work, not the other way around. Let the learning lead is the second point. You know, so our orientation, um, we must never be led by tools, techniques or fads such as mobile phones, algorithms we know all about those don't we uh or virtual reality goggles so um we need to create learning opportunity in organizations and take that absolutely seriously um context uh not content 
So we can create massive libraries of training and learning and stuff, but we actually have to put this into context. Um, so the channels, uh, fantastic. Um, they're brilliant, but we need to make sure that the context, the context of learning, what do we need to learn today, tomorrow, next week, this month, and so on, um, and make that um, the priority. What is the context of, of the learning first, and then, then let the content follow. Process, uh, not platform. Uh, is is the fourth and final point, which I think is similar to the third point, to be honest. See what I mean? You should have done three, not four. I, I think there is an opportunity He's to failed. condense this into... Yeah, I, I, yeah, you could have done it mm. um, in three, matey. But anyway, um, I, think, I think the point is quite well made. Um, you know, technologies... Let's not just create lovely, sexy technologies um, and whack a whole load of content in there. Uh, it is actually, let's get the context right. Um, and the first thing we need to do is to make us into a learning organisation. And it doesn't matter what kind of organisation it is. Uh, it is a learning organisation, whatever it is. Yeah. So my take on this actually was his second point, which actually on reflection, as you've gone and explained your references to it, actually points two, three and four, I think, do blur into to a one overriding point. Too many L&D functions, I suspect, historically have seen innovation of technology to be a way to retrofit content into that style of delivery I, I the one that, the word that stood out for me were these virtual goggles virtual reality goggles um and i think the point is is that what's the, what do we need the learner to take away from something um and if it so happens that virtual reality goggles are going to enhance their output and experience of what it might be then great but don't try and build content that's going to attract an audience purely because of the geekiness of this new piece of kit and i think that can be a mistake the melly lnd leaders do but i i would over i would agree <clears throat> overarchingly with the majority of this article um because the rules of learning and development <clears throat> even i think more digitally right now there is an awful lot of enhancements that I have seen third-party vendors offer, which is weak. Um, technology, to the point two of this article, is all about enhancing learner uh, understanding and the ability for, the ability for them to impact the next working day. If you are sitting using none of the functionality of your technology that could enhance it, such as interactiveness of your webinar, or relying on really basic e-learning to educate your audience, then your audience will be forgiven for thinking it's a load of shit. So I do think L&D dinosaurs are having no choice but to innovate because face-to-face -face is, I think, dead for the foreseeable future. But if they don't innovate and tear up the rule book again, even on digital stuff, I think they are still going to have further lack of credibility in their businesses. And when budgets are under constraint... You have to be super careful that you are so integrated with the business that no one wants to lose you. JB. I um, Did you read that article, uh, totally separate from this, uh, in Russia, under a riverbed, they're finding a whole load of dinosaurs? No. Did you read that article? No. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. And um, what's happening is that these uh, dinosaurs, you know, from millions of years ago, are actually 
turning into bombs um, and they are blowing up. Because the um, climate change uh, is creating uh, a, a thaw mm. uh, the, and, and things are getting warmer, uh, it is uh, allowing for these for, for air uh, to get into uh, these sort of dinosaur um, graveyards and they're literally blowing blowing up because they're starting so, to decompose now rather than the, a million years well they, they well they're just they're just all of these kind of um, gases that are ready so 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 I was just thinking uh, with the L and D dinosaurs, don't don't let that be you, you know, because that would be that would be quite sad, really, wouldn't it? It would. Um, it would. Uh, that was probably a little childish of me to to bring that up. But my second point, and to link to link your point there uh, about learning inside organisations uh, being, I think. Uh, really dynamic what does it need to be dynamic about and i'm going to connect that up to the very first um thing about stakeholder stakeholder capitalism and i'm going to put on our virtual goggles and imagine the experience of all the stakeholders of our business what's it like and how could we get that to be better you know what would be the ultimate experience this virtual goggle experience for all our stakeholders in the business let's stick the goggles on see what happens uh for for the community the um i don't know even even the regulators uh certainly the customers and our employees let's have a look at it see what's going on what can we learn what do we need to innovate uh so that we can um, make our business a bomb proof impressive i'm conscious of time jb so i guess we should oh, wrap am i up. going on no no yes, no we, okay. we, i guess we should wrap up this i'm episode. just excited that's well, all. well i get over excited i can tell me. the camera's on i can see um so um I, if i'm not mistaken you are on the eve of your caravan of love tour i am i set off tomorrow i'm driving from ramsgate to carlisle uh the, the first pit stop and then we go on from Carlisle on Saturday morning uh, to Edinburgh Airport, uh, where we pick up the love bus and and fuel it up with all the things that it needs. <laughs> Stop putting that face on. Um, and but I had a look at the forecast for where we're going. Yeah. Okay. It's and Scotland. It is, it's flipping cold <laughs> it is bloody raining and uh, there will probably be mosquitoes as well um so uh, anyway i'm just going to to spend all i'm all the week in the love bus uh, if necessary reading my books and listening to my music and if the sun does come out i will go out and do a little little jig uh and then run back into the love bus and what, and about, what about what about the wife? What about the, what will she do during this? Oh, I don't know what she is. Trying. Well, we we've got this book, and it's like um, you stay at various pubs and things, and uh, all you have to do is just park in their car park and have have beers and wine and and um, whatever uh, Scottish people drink these days. I'm a little bit nervous. And eat haggis. I'm slightly nervous, JB, that you've inadvertently someone for a laugh has changed a cover um to um location airbnbs and bed and breakfast for dogging locations of scotland and you're about to 
be in for a magical treat. But perhaps we'll find out in a couple of weeks' time what what happened. Well, yeah. Well, I, 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 I obviously will have to speak to Christabel about that if that is the case mm. and get her her view on it. But I will just close the curtains and think of England. <laughs> well, we look forward to hearing tales of Scotland. The unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Nice. I will be doing a little video of it, actually, I've decided, oh. uh, to practice my video skills. Um, so I'm going to be doing a little running commentary. Um, which I might uh, I might publish a little bit here and there. You never know. Nice, nice. Now, what about you, Ant? Are you finally going to be leaving your old home and settling into your new one? Well, evenings and weekends, I am in my new home, settling in very nicely. Uh, this weekend, we will be um, making the most of pre-restrictions on, on, on group gatherings because I am a household of six already, which therefore means no one can come into our bubble unfortunately, unless we break up our household to go and do different things. So we're going to have um, some family friends over that we're pretty close to that we know are not stupid like, um, you know, others have been to cause this potential second upward trend. Um, so we're going to get together with them before the restrictions are reimposed next week. So that's our plan. Um, so, yes, a social weekend ahead is the the story. And also my oldest boy, is doing quite well in his local football team, so I'll be cheering him on in his latest match. Oh, that's nice. Mm. It just occurred to me, Ant, uh, because we have an international audience, yes. uh, a lot of them wouldn't know necessarily what dogging is. I think you need to explain that. Um, so um, I'm going to do the, the the usual parental thing of um, look it up online, ladies and gents, but I would strongly, oh, go, uh, yes. strongly urge you to not use a business work laptop to do that search. Just a bit of advice. Yeah. Uh, you're about to say something or you just, you've all of a sudden getting a bit fidgety. <laughs> no, no, I, I just think it's, um, it's quite entertaining watching your face work your way around that question. Thanks so much. Well, I'm looking forward um, to, um, unless someone tells us it's a crazy idea, I'm looking forward to my three names of what leadership lessons can we learn from game. Um, anyway, um, please do submit your questions. We have run out of time, actually, so we'll make sure we do the questions oh. on the next episode. Um, uh, but um, please do submit your questions. I promise we will do them. Um, globalleadershippodcast at gmail.com or find us on social media. By the way, our LinkedIn page numbers now are in the 60s. So we, we, wow. we are finally see, it seems our listeners are now starting to follow. But yeah, look us up, Global Leadership Podcast. We're a light blue logo with um, with some leader looking people inside the icon. There we go. I will try and spread the word in Scotland uh, on my tour. And the, don't forget, there is a couple of our listeners in Scotland because I know we've had questions from Scotland before. Ah. So if you are there, messages and JB may drive past your front room. Well, give us your address and I'll come and stay in your in your drive or outside your house. And that would, could be quite fun. Depending on the book that he's referring to, yes. Um, <laughs> I've been Anthony Price. And I've been Jonathan Bradley. We've been a couple of cool cats today doing doggy things, digging and dogging and, and getting down and dirty in the world of learning and development and stakeholder capitalism. Goodbye. Goodbye.